Wallace, also known as Waluigi, is Waluigi's female cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Waluigi's female cousin and Waria's sister. She is Luis's friend, like Waria and Maria. No, no, no. She wants her cousin to be more independent. Wallace, Wallace, I can't say that, is Daisy's friend. And she says they usually go shopping. And Daisy invites her to go to Sarasland some days. This is from the Fantendo wiki. It's a Nintendo fan wiki. Oh, my God. Wallace's new 3D design. Oh, my God. (laughs) No. This is such a weird corner of the internet. No, no, no. I'm going to send you the whole wiki page. Oh. I want you to just save her all. Dark that's carriage. Not, that's not terrible. Yeah. Dark carriage. Okay, this is. Let's take a look. This is so much. And there's like a lot of comments on this page. So somebody like made this character up? Yeah. This is like a wiki of Nintendo fan characters. But she's a quote from Mario Kart 8. That's just like a joke. I think or that's like fake. Made up. Okay. <laughs> and I like that Mario Kart 8 doesn't have a wiki page. On the Nintendo fan wiki. It's like, nope, doesn't exist. Uh-uh. Let's look into Maria. Maria. Oh, that's just the same character model, but with red overalls. Maria's appearance in New <laughs> Super Mario Bros. Omega. That's funny. Oh my like, God. which one is it? Exactly. Oh, my God. New Super Mario Bros. Omega, set to be released in To Be Announced 2012. Is Mario game made by a company that I don't think is real? Just like any other New Super Mario game. <laughs> That's right, and like someone is like <laughs> desperate to convince you it's real. Just like any other new Super Mario game, features new power-ups, levels, foes, bosses, and modes. Uh-huh. Oh my god, this is so this is so much. Like, thanks, thanks, good Googling, Google search for Baby Waluigi. You really provided. Okay, uh, it's time out of sync. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Chats, a television podcast, book three, Avatar, The Last Chatsbender, or Chatsbender, for short. I'm Magellan, and I'm joined by my, by my friend, <laughs> Alan. My recap boy, yes. me. How are you, Alan? I'm doing extremely well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, you may have noticed that I, I didn't have a clever fantastic thing to call you at the top of the episode there and there's a good reason it's not it's not that i've gotten lazy okay no not the case normally what happens on the show is every week we watch two episodes of avatar the last airbender and we talk about those two episodes but this week we didn't watch any new episodes at all we're going over book one and discussing our sort of general thoughts grouping the episodes in our mind, based on their quality, and then looking forward, looking ahead at books two and uh, books two and three, and seeing what predictions we can make. So that's sort of where we're at and what we're doing with this episode. It's extremely exciting to think that we have already finished the first third of this television show. And what I like a lot about the way that this show breaks up its arcs is book one is where all of the goofs are. 
it's not to say that the show stops being funny and light after this. It's more like we're not going to get another Great Divide, an episode that is mostly humor and basic, very easy to understand and predict character development. That's Mm -hmm. all behind us now. So for better and for worse, we've reached a milestone here at The Last Chatsbender, and that's very exciting. So we're going to look back. We're going to break it down and, and discuss it. Um, yeah. How do we, what are our categories tonight? Well, so I think we can start off with just some general thoughts about the season. Um, we give thoughts about individual episodes, but if you had to take the season as one artistic unit, what are your reflections, thoughts, feelings about it where we're, as we're standing here right now? Book one to me is the growing up story of Avatar The Last Airbender. It, it's all about Aang and it's about his new his new life, his new exploring of this this world that he hasn't seen for a hundred years and coming to grips with that and acknowledging how times have changed and how his friends and family are in history books now and aren't his friends and family anymore. Mm-hmm. Having to make new friends and how that works, understanding his responsibilities and a lot happens on the way there, both to him and to the characters around him. Because he's trying to grab life by the horns and go to all these fun adventure spots. That's his initial goal. And the world tells him, nope, everything's going to go to poop if you don't save everyone. You have to be the savior. And imagine this 10-year-old being told that. And it's kind of, that is the question of the season. It's like, what would a 10-year-old do if they were told that they have to do X, Y, and Z to save the world? Mm. How would they go about accomplishing that? When would they do it? How long would it take? And what struggles would they run into along the way? And, you know, those struggles manifest themselves with both Zhao and Zuko, as well as the Fire Nation in general, and the nature of his identity, and how different people view him and the Avatar as a concept differently. And he goes to different people, he finds trainers, but I think the sadness at the core of season one is there's nowhere to stay just yet. There is no Mm -hmm. home base for Avatar just yet. A lot of cartoon shows tend to get really comfortable in a spot and say, this is it. This is the X-Mansion. This is uh, the home of the Steven Universe family, etc. And they don't have a place to stay because every time they try to get somewhere, they find a good trainer. It's like, nope, Fire Nation's here. Zuko, his angry, angry Scar and his his mean sister um, are on their way. Aang has no place to call his home in this new unfamiliar landscape. And, Mm. you know, we find him at the end of the season, uh, understanding that coming to grips with that and hopping on the sky bison to uncharted territories. What did you, uh, take away from this season, Magellan? We together have watched a few different, um, cult classic television shows. And I think something that's common among quite a few of the shows that have sort of entered the canon, um, is that people tell you for sure which ones you should be skipping. Um, so like shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Farscape come to mind as, listen, they're not good at first, but they get better, stick with it, um, and you're going to get something out of it. Avatar is a show that knows what it wants to be very early on, um, and it gets there, in my opinion, pretty quickly. Um, it's, it's, you know, we'll talk about individual episodes and their quality, but I think it's difficult to legitimately criticize any single episode of Avatar as a bad episode. Um, I think this is a show that is of such a consistently high caliber of quality that I find it pretty impressive. And 
part of that quality comes from the fact that it it treats its audience um, it treats its audience really well and really uh, assumes they're intelligent. It assumes that they know what to expect and where the show is planning on going. Yeah, it assumes the best in its viewers. Because I think you could come into the show like, oh, it was on Nickelodeon. It's about this 10-year-old kid who's saving the world. It's going to be this kind of fun, light, fluffy thing. And that's just not true. Um, It trades in some pretty sophisticated and often fairly dark themes. Um, It's a funny show, right? But it's also an incredibly tense show. Like you said, the characters never really have a moment of rest. They're constantly on the run and their notoriety brings danger to everyone around them. So it's a show about we're on this grand adventure, but also we've had immense responsibility foisted upon us. And we see that that responsibility has consequences when we don't treat it um, the way that it needs to be treated. So the show is, is really dealing with the transitional moment in, in aging between total innocence and very clear responsibilities. And so it's, it's in this in-between space of, I'm not completely innocent anymore, but I still want to goof around. But also I'm being treated as if I'm supposed to be an adult already and I'm not. Uh, and what do I do about that? This show is a way of of sorting through those feelings, and it also gives people of all different ages a way to access that dichotomy between responsibility and innocence, because I, I think in a way, different characters on this show are coming at that theme from different stages in their life. Aang is kind of at the youngest stage, where he wants to be a totally innocent young man, um, and he has been tasked with perhaps the most challenging responsibility, like you said, of having to save the world, right? Um, Katara and Sokka are a little bit older. They understand their duty and their responsibility to their family, but maybe they still have personal goals or personal desires that they want to service. Um, Zuko, even a little bit farther along, where he is almost entirely consumed by his feelings of duty and responsibility towards um, reclaiming his honor and towards um, fighting on behalf of, of his father and, and his society. And then we have older characters. We have Uncle Iroh, who's sort of at the, the very far end of this, where he's trying to reclaim the innocence that was initially lost to a certain extent. Um, and so I think that that's something that I appreciate about the structure of the show that I hadn't really thought about and thought about as missing in other shows that we've watched. This avatar really gives time and space to characters of different ages at different points along a sort of lifelong process and struggle between responsibility and innocence. And it lets us see that those themes and how they clash for different characters in different contexts and at different ages. Um, I think that that's really special. The the other thing that I always think about with this book, this season, whatever you want to call it, is that Aang, it, this idea of like it's a constant chase is easily like it's easy to line that up with what it's like growing up and feeling like oh i i'm i'm comfortable like just you know being in what whatever have you like high school or, or middle school like i like the friends i have and the people that i'm with and eventually at a certain point the world is going to tell me nope you have to go make new friends you have to go mm. to a new place physically move yourself figure out how to get there and figure out how to find your new comfort there. And, you know, like I said, that is, that is to me what this whole book encapsulates 
is is people figuring out where their new comfort is because mm. again mm. even like with zuko he he knows that if he kills ang or captures the avatar or whatever his parents or his dad will theoretically respect him more but i mean by the end of the season he says like it's never enough nothing is ever enough for my dad so a, there is definitely a part of zuko that knows that even doing that probably won't get him the love that he so desperately deserves and craves from his father and what he's realizing in that last moment with Iroh is that he's had it all along and so that is the seed of that sort of like post-adolescent doubt that the thing you've been working for so far because your parents told you it was a good idea maybe isn't what you actually want and that is a read of Zuko's character arc that I love considering because it lines up with where his character goes for the rest of the show yeah Um, which I'm I'm just so excited to see because I think Zuko is like one of the richest conceptually like characters in in animated television and in television honestly so i want us to dig into some specific episodes if you're interested in doing that i'm extremely interested in doing that great um so kind of our mo when we do recaps like this is we're serving two different audiences i think on the one hand we're serving the audience of people who are listening to us every single week faithful listeners of the show who we love and really appreciate people who want to take a second breathe think about this is where we just were this is what this season has meant this is how we can kind of compartmentalize it remember it all those things we're also trying to speak to an audience of people who's saying oh man i just heard about this show these guys watching avatar i don't have time to listen to their whole season but i want to get caught up i want to hear what they thought how they think about this show thus far. So let me listen to this recap. Um, and so with that in mind, the way that we approach these episodes is we take a look at all of the episodes of the season and we throw them into different um, buckets of quality. And you can kind of disagree with us about what belongs in what bucket, but for our purposes, this is the best way for us to kind of think about and process the episodes that we've seen. And so there are four main buckets and we're going to I'm going to list them from best to worst, but we're going to talk about them from worst to best because that's how we like things to go around here. Did we pick four buckets because there's four elements? That's for you to decide. Yeah, the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) But if it was yes, that would have been cool. Um, So our top bucket is essentials, which is like if you're only going to watch six episodes of this season, these are the ones you have to watch. Then there's highlights, which are the episodes that are really, really, really good, and you should also watch. Then there are the episodes that are fine, and they're fine. (laughs) And then there are the lowlights, and there are four of those. We'll start with those. And those are the episodes that, honestly, you can skip. And if we had to advise that you skip any, it would be these. So with that in mind, Alan, what is our first lowlight? Our first little light is book one, episode 11, The Great Divide. This is infamously known as one of the worst episodes of the show. It's the episode where the gang runs into two rival factions, one clean and one very dirty. And they're trying to get across a cliff, but there's all these creepy cliff crawlers. And they have to uh, mend the ties in their backstory so that they can get along and realize that the stuff that's making them push, that's pulling them apart was all just nonsense fiction. But also the the story that Aang tells them is fiction as well. Nothing is true in history. <laughs> I This episode is fluff. It's like funny, 
but there's nothing to learn about Aang, or and Katara and Sokka are like two dimensional as heck, and the like concept of it doesn't teach us anything about the world, and the final joke stinger of it just makes us like, all right, Aang's a liar. That's kind of cool. I thought he was a peace broker, but apparently part of that is being a liar. <laughs> We're all right. Hmm. It's it's a very unnecessary episode. Yeah, I think the the faltering of this episode is that it doesn't uh, expect the best of its audience the way that other episodes do. It it presents a fairly straightforward and, and simplistic set of themes and doesn't seek to explore those any any deeper. Redemption. <laughs> I remember when they the little like basketball. Oh yep. Yeah. yeah. What's your first uh, low light? My first low light is my first little light is episode six, which was called Imprisoned. So Imprisoned is the episode where Katara, um, well, where the the gang comes across this region where there are earthbenders who are living in fear of the Fire Nation. The Fire Nation is coming around and um, extorting people and basically capturing and imprisoning anybody who exhibits bending uh, capabilities. And then Katara ends up getting captured and imprisoned with a bunch of earthbenders and tries to get them to rebel against the firebenders. It doesn't work, but then it does work. And it's this beautiful, wonderful thing of thank you, Katara, so much. I talked about this a little bit um, during the episode that we did. And I, I don't know that my opinion on it came across necessarily exactly how I wanted it to. But I think the, the thing that bothers me about this episode is that it sought to empower Katara by making her play into this like role of the hero character who always knows what's best for everybody that really kind of smacks of, of, I don't know, there, there are themes of, you know, imperialism and, and things like that throughout the show, I think, or you could find those, those themes. And I think there was just something that felt like colonial about the way that Katara was projecting her authority um, in this episode that I found kind of off-putting. And I, I wish that it hadn't been, that those two things hadn't been kind of conflated. You know what I mean? I just think right. that this was, a, this was a, a missed opportunity to give us a Katara episode that showed her stepping into like a, a, a fresh and a, and uh, an interesting empowering role, but it ended up giving us something that felt very rote um, and a little bit tone deaf. I think the thing that works that made me the least happy with imprisoned is just the the fact that Katara like does deserve a hero role and a moment to shine and all that stuff. But to have it be her like asking these refugees to break their chains and defeat the masters or whatever it just like you said it 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 feels weird it feels off it doesn't feel like the right way like on one hand katara is the type of person that would think that way like oh i can fix these people she's very Mm -hmm. much like into being able to fix people um but it's like when it comes to like handling a whole culture that something just like feels like you're empowering her in the wrong way like you're giving her the wrong tools to fix things Mm -hmm. to engender change and that is unfortunate because there are cool things in this episode. The warden voiced by George Takai is mm-hmm. great. The It's like the first time we see Earthbending or in a big way. Actually, no, the King of Masha is a bigger one. But it's cool to see like small town Earthbending also. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not. It's just like a stinker, like you said, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, what's your next one? 
My next um, low light is book one, episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe. This is the episode where the gang runs into, which is the start of every description of every episode, hmm. <laughs> their uh, dad's friend Bato, who was a military buddy, and he lived in the same town as they did for a long time. And basically, Katara and Sokka have to decide if they want to go with him to find their dad or stay with Aang, who needs to be helped by friends who are going to train him and be his friends hmm. and ultimately they choose ang because of course they do because you can't have like this show cannot rely on a question of are they gonna leave ang at least not yet because they would have no legs to stand on if ang was on like a solo journey uh although maybe that would be interesting i don't know it might be interesting for like a little an while, episode right? or two but it, it didn't realistically feel like it was gonna happen this yeah not this show year. This episode also has, uh, as with every episode, Zuko, Iroh, and another person chasing the gang. And we have June, who's just a really cool one-off character. But ultimately, that is the kind of thing that makes this a low light. Is she's like almost she's basically a non-character. She's there to have a cool smell-o-vision uh, beast friend, and she's voiced by uh, Jennifer Hale, and that's great. But other than that, yes. like. <laughs> Uh, what's the character from KOTOR that you best friend? <laughs> the first, please, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Bastille Shaw's in this episode. And other than that, it's fine. It's just it's completely forgettable. Like nothing, it's just a decent fight scene. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Magellan, what is your last low light? Oh, my last low light is oh, oh. is a real fun one. Episode ten from this book, Jet. I did not like Jet. You can go back and listen when I complain about him a lot. I really, really, really detested the character of Jet. Um, I don't need to rehash it, but... That's it, though. Like That's, that's it. That's everything the problem else, with this episode is the title character. Everything else is like cool, but Jet as a character is just really off-putting and... I think sucks a lot of the fun out of this episode. Ruins Katara. Yeah. Introduces us to like some of my favorite side characters of this whole series. And then just like he takes the stage and doesn't give them anything to do. Smellerby for president and the big guy, also the Duke. <laughs> Ugh, they're all, they're all fun and they're cool character designs. But God, Jet just sucks. Jet's just a, a cruddy like... Uh, your brother isn't as good of a warrior as I am. And also, I like you, girl. You Maybe you, you want to date me? And also, we should kill the Fire Nation. <laughs> like, <laughs> that hard shift is very unbelievable. And he's not very well voice acted. Yeah. Uh, no offense to the voice actor. I think it just might have been some bad direction. I think it's, it's a lot. yeah, the, how it was written. Yeah. Yeah. And the script goes nowhere. It's just like, Jet's bad. Did you know that? Now we don't trust him as much. We don't trust people like him. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. So that's our first bucket. Um, one more bucket before we throw it to the airbag here. Yeah. Let's let's stay in the kind of <laughs> the negativity weeds, pay our dues so that we can close it out positive and strong. Talk about the fine, fine question mark episodes. Fine. We got another set of four in here. So Alan, what's your first fine episode? My first fine episode is book one, episode nine, the waterbending scroll. AKA the One Piece episode, AKA the episode where they get chased by pirates because they steal a scroll. And the pirates are cool, but everything else about the episode is just like, ah, Zuko fights bad men, even though Aang is like right there and it makes Zuko feel kind of stupid. Aang learns to waterbend and he gets the oppa whistle. It's like an episode where they get a bunch of equipment. Like it it feels like a filler episode in that way. Yeah. Um, 
I will I will say the one thing that's kind of a saves this episode for me in terms of its relevance to the overall story is the Ang Katara stuff um, and the seeding of Katara's jealousy of Ang's natural talent. Yeah. With bending. Um, but they just don't spend a lot of time going into that in this episode. And it has to be resolved so quickly because the episodes of the show are so short that it, I don't know, like it's not enough to carry this episode into a higher category, especially because we see that theme reemerge later in better episodes, but it is kind of the first showings of that tension between Katara and Aang. And I think that's a fascinating relationship for them to explore, but by itself, this episode kind of just spins its wheels. It's, it's, it's only skippable in the sense, like if this was an anime that was like a hundred episodes, I would absolutely say this was a skipper, but it's like, it's a 20 episode season. Like if you're going to watch some fun, fluffy episodes, Though you can't, you're not going to go wrong with the waterbedding scroll, but it's, it's yeah. whatever. There are better episodes. Um, John, what is another uh, fine episode that you wanted to discuss? So the first fine episode that I want to discuss was Winter Solstice Part 1, The Spirit World. Hmm. Now, this episode does introduce us to an important aspect of the Avatar universe, which is the existence. Hey, hey bye. Yes, hey, bye. The existence of a big panda bear. Mm-hmm. Um, the existence of a spirit world is an important piece of universal narrative. Um, and we see that recur and become a pretty significant element of the season's endgame. But as for this episode, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fine. It sort of has the feeling of us needing to get somewhere. There's a lot of setup getting us to Winter Solstice Part 2 with Roku's dragon and giving Aang visions of what he has to do next. Um, and the Heibai stuff is kind of strikes an interesting chord around environmentalism, but doesn't really take up all that much space doing that. I think the most fun of this episode actually comes from like the Iroh subplot, where he gets briefly captured and then escapes from Fire Nation soldiers. Um, but other than that, this episode is just, you don't really need it. You don't really lose anything by skipping it. You don't really need to skip it, but you don't need to watch it. I think the thing is like, if if people are saying, oh, but the spirit world introduction, like, I think you can get an introduction to the spirit world through another adventure. You don't need this like episode where it's like, why is this demon terrorizing the village? Oh, because the forest got burned down. That's it. That's all. I just described the whole plot of Winter Solstice part one. Yeah. Winter Solstice part two is excellent and mm-hmm. it gets us where we want to be but this one is just a means to an end essentially yeah it's it's a it's a villain of the week sort of thing and this show yeah. figured out very early on how to not do that or how to do the thing of a week episode in a way that felt more substantial so you're saying that you prefer it when they do a zhao moment of the week yeah i mean if we could just have a zhao show that'd be what you're looking for i would watch that where did i get that from magellan i don't know i'm not sure when you say that is what you're looking for i have no idea uh, but <laughs> it might be on this podcast the outfits are yeah what you're looking for yeah maybe you know what i'm looking for what is that magellan? your second fine episode i want to talk about 
the second line episode, which is uh, book one, episode two, The Avatar Returns. Uh, this episode, it's it's technically a, a, technically a part two. Um, it is Aang is now out of the ice and Zuko attacks the village. I like this episode because we get to see Sokka actually like take care of people in his village. We get to see Grand Grand and it was and we get that awesome scene where Aang escapes the ship. Still one of the best scenes of just like Aang being a cool airbender because he doesn't have to fight anyone. And it does the legwork of introducing us to all these big ideas. Like we see the Avatar state, we see Zuko and Zhao and, and Iroh and all that stuff like very briefly. And then we are let off into our adventure and like it does all of that stuff. And then next week it's like, all right, now we have time to just go on little adventures. We don't need to Mm -hmm. set up anything else. Um, But by itself, it's just like, here's this character that you're going to see later. So it kind of like it's an it's another like interim means to an end sort of episode. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you have anything else to say about it? Um, Not particularly. I think we'll talk about the first half. The first half is strong and it it draws you in. And then the second ep- the second half of the premiere is just good. It's it's enough that I'm going to keep watching, but right, right. It, it doesn't really hook the viewer as much as the first half. You know what else probably didn't hook us as much as we expected? Uh, the next fine episode. <laughs> um, the next and final fine episode is episode 14, 14 The Fortune Teller. Aang and friends visit a small town where a fortune teller lives by the name of Aunt Wu. And essentially everybody in the town is obsessed with Aunt Wu and her fortunes because they always come true. And this episode sort of opens up the debate of uh, are they true? Do they work? Kind of. It's, It's okay. It's not really that necessary of an episode and we don't learn a ton about the characters going through it. We do get some entertaining skepticism and frustration from Sokka, and we also get some seeding of the Aang-Katara romance, even though I don't know why they're trying to like distract us with that when we know that the true, real romance of the show is Katara-Zuko. Uh, uh. Um, what did we read recently? The voice actor for uh, Zuko, Dante Basco, is a Zukara shipper. Just filthy. Just disgusting. <laughs> I won't have that on this show, honestly. I won't have it. You won't have it? I won't allow you to keep promoting the Zukara agenda. Why? Because Katang is truth. Katang is life. It's so boring. They're all boring. There aren't enough not boring ships potential on this show. We want me to say like Momo and Appa? They do. They kiss at one point. Sorry. That's also oh, can't. That's, I really hope that's true. I can't remember. They definitely have like a romance going on. Okay, well, that makes me happy. Good. Zukar does not make me happy. Anyways, uh, the fortune teller, it's fine. I like May a lot. She calls Katara floozy, and that's not okay. <laughs> you know what is okay is this idea that I'm going to propose to John. Yes. Let's take it to the airbag, and then we will talk about the good episodes from Book One of Avatar and wrap it all up with predictions and talk about what we're watching next week so be right back hello listeners this is alan bringing you the airbag for episode 11 of avatar the last chat spender this isn't going to be like a usual airbag partly because we didn't get any comments this week except from our friend omens who sent us this memo which says i love all of this so much the scale is cinematic and amazing and i love it so much it was so grown up and heavy and impressive this can go head-to-head with stuff like the Prophecy Girl episode of Buffy and hold its ground. I'm not exaggerating here. It's that good. 
Also a note on the airbag, Blue Blaze Sphere is back. Dude, you're awesome. I hope you stay with us. I have no more words and no more energy to write them. Good day, sirs. That was it. That was our comment for the week, uh, which is fine. I know it's Father's Day weekend, and we tend to not get comments the week before and sometimes the week after recap episodes. Um, although I do want to hear people tell us that we are right or wrong about our choices for how we ranked season one in the in the airbag next week. So get those comments in. And uh, it is Father's Day when this episode is going up. It's the evening of Father's Day. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you were either better dads than Ozai or <laughs> or um, you had better dads than the Fire Lord Ozai. I'm trying to think of some other dads in Avatar. I mean, Katara and, and Sokka's dad is like not around. He uh, We only know him through Bato. And Haru's dad from Imprisoned is fine. But just the Zuko Ozai one is like the quintessential dad-son relationship. And it's bad. It's Well, it's not that it's bad. It's more just like, it's... No, well, no, it's bad. Anyways, that was the comment that we got this week. No Dax email. No uh, anything. So send your emails in. Chatspot at gmail.com. Send your tweets at chatspot. And if you're noticing that this episode's airbag music is back to normal, that is because uh, I kind of goofed and I didn't think about music rights and how putting music under my voice on podcasts week to week probably wouldn't be the best thing for us if we ever tried to like i don't know make money on this in the future someday maybe so i'm going back to royalty fury stuff either back to the yoga music from the previous airbags or just some royalty free things i find online and what we're going to be replacing that with because i do still love the idea of an avatar playlist and just it being a music diary that we add to on a weekly basis is we're going to be creating a spotify playlist it doesn't have a name yet it does not have a place yet it doesn't exist yet but hopefully by next week we're going to have created it we'll probably recreate it while recording the next episode so get excited for that we'll put links to it in every episode it's just going to be a public spotify playlist for people to look at and enjoy and that can kind of supplant any music that I was going to put in this segment just because, like I said, uh, rights are complicated. And Spotify is good. We both love Spotify. So, with that in mind, I don't have anything else to say. I hope you have been having a great weekend. I hope you had a great weekend, actually. And um, take care. Get hyped for Season 2. And get immediate present-day hype for our discussion of our favorite episodes of Book 1 of Avatar. See ya! Welcome back to The Last Chat Spender. The second half of today's episode will be devoted to the great stuff. The good stuff. The amazing stuff. Starting with our next bucket, which we call Highlights. These are the episodes that are really, really good, and you should watch them. In the strictest sense, you don't need to watch them to understand the bare-bones skeleton of the show. But what are you doing? You should watch. These are good episodes. They're fun. It is tricky classifying these episodes now because this season is actually really short. When I watched this show back in the day, I was watching one a week. And then when I rewatched it a few years ago, I was watching like five or six a day. You can devour it quickly. Mm-hmm. but It really zooms by. It does. And then you, when we're breaking them down like this, it's like, oh, there are pretty huge swaths where you know plot isn't happening, but fun is happening. And that's where these episodes come in. So, Alan, what's your first highlight? 
My first highlight is book one, episode three, The Southern Air Temple. This is the episode where Aang finds out that all of his friends and family are dead. <laughs> so, yeah, like we were saying, these episodes are really fun, lighthearted diversions. It's a show for kids. I like The Southern Air Temple. I think it's great. It's the first introduction to the broader history of the Avatar world. We see airbender culture. We see what Aang expected out of this new world and how he was disappointed. We see Katara and Sokka trying to reconcile that and like br- introduce him to this world without the shell shock of like, yep, there, here's the bones. Here's your mentor's bones. And then whoops, when he inevitably finds out, he goes full Avatar state. And that's capital S scary, especially this early in the show when we don't even know that it's called that. It's pretty wacky and sad. This is episode three. They just go for it. Straight out the iceberg, your friends are dead. <laughs> in general, the um, the chunk of episodes, the three episodes after the Avatar Returns, is pretty strong opening salvo for the show. Anybody who's coming to the show like, oh, should I watch it? If you just watch the first four or five episodes, you're probably going to get hooked. Um, because our next highlight, my first highlight, also comes from the same chunk. Episode five of the season called The King of Omashu. In this episode... Ang, Katara, Sokka visit Omashu, which is an Earth Kingdom city. So this is the first time that we see Earth-bending culture. We meet the king of the city, who, spoiler alert, turns out to be a friend of Ang's from back when he was a kid. Um, and this episode is just a great mix of heart, um, because this is somebody that Aang knows. It turns out that that's the reveal. This is the first time that we see an Earthbender fight. It's the first time we see air versus Earth. And it's also the first time that we really start to delve into the idea that there are battlefield strategies or personalities associated with different styles of bending, because the King of Amashu criticizes Aang for moving in the way that airbenders do in the sort of dodgy, fluid way. It's a funny episode. Like, some of the best early jokes from the show are in this episode. My favorite goof is when we were doing the podcast and we were talking about the scene. Sorry, I'm, like, doing the breathing thing like I'm the character um, from the American Pie movies. This one time at band camp, um, <laughs> it's the scene where they're, like, flying off of the the shoots and they land on the floor and then it freeze frames. And our joke was like, hi, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> I think that's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. And I think this was a good episode as well. Yeah. And then we round out this chunk of strong opening episodes with Alan, your next highlight. Book one, episode four, The Warriors of Kiyoshi. In this episode, Aang, after trying to nab a really big, a real big fish, if you will, I love ska music, uh, finds himself <laughs> embroiled in the town of Kiyoshi, which is a place where they all worship a former avatar. One of the last women avatars named Kiyoshi. She was an earthbender and he learns about them and then has to defend them along with the titular warriors of Kiyoshi, who are a all-female squad of fighters who fight in the style of Kiyoshi but don't actually earthbend. And he has to fend off the Fire Nation. And this is the big episode where he realizes, oh, we can't stay anywhere. <laughs> we, we Like, this town got burned down because we came here. This is no good, is it? And that aspect of it is sad, but we get, like, Really good early on soccer development and um, good representation, good women characters. It's beautiful. Like, I love the Earthbender aesthetic a lot in this episode, and I love the Kyoshi outfits and all that, and the relationship between the main one, 
who's Suki and Sokka is uh, one of the show's best recurring relationships, I think. Magellan, I believe your next highlight is a fun one. Yeah, it's episode 13, The Blue Spirit. And the way The Blue Spirit shakes out, Aang gets captured by Zhao. The Destroyer. Zhao, the hungry. That's what he says when he's hungry. Anyway, he gets captured by Zhao and then gets saved by a mysterious warrior called the Blue <gasps> Spirit. Ooh. And it turns out it's Zuko. Whoops, sorry. I really like this episode because I love Zhao. It's a great Zhao episode. And it shows Aang in pretty serious danger. It gives us a taste of what the consequences would be if he's captured, which is that he would just be in prison forever because they don't want to kill him. They don't want to set off the Avatar cycle and create a new Avatar somewhere. And it also drives home the fact that Zuko and Zhao are not fighting on the same side. The, the array of adversaries that Aang and his friends have in front of them is more complex than just a bunch of bad guys from the Fire Nation. Different characters have different motivations for wanting to capture Aang and for wanting to keep each other from capturing Aang. It's it's also just a good reveal. It's like, whatever, the yeah. vibe of this episode is, is awesome because it's the first, like, almost entirely nighttime episode. We get the Yuyan archers and we get Zuko going through the cover of night with the swords and the blue spirit mask. It's a little bit predictable, the identity of the blue spirit, if you really, like, tally out all of the characters mm-hmm. who we know at this point by name. Hmm. But it's still a good reveal, and the fight scenes are top-notch. And uh, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's nice to know that the Fire Nation is not one invincible, cohesive unit. There is um, disruption amongst the ranks. So, Alan, to close out your half of the highlights, what have you got? Well, Magellan, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I'm going to keep doing that. This next one is episode 17. It's the Northern Air Temple. It's kind of very Ghibli-esque. It's the first introduction to the steampunk elements that would later define seasons two and three of the show as well as the entirety of the legend of Korra. we see the invention of um, a hot air balloon we see the rotator tanks for the first time which are very cool it's a technology episode and that's yeah. what i like about it character wise it's this whole idea that these people made a society on top of an air temple because no one was using it and wouldn't it be respectful if we used it and made a town out of it and also there's a room full of gas don't touch the gas room Except they touch the gas room and they blow the Fire Nation up. It also demonstrates Avatar's commitment to making sure that different characters are presented with nuance. That we understand their motivations and understand why they're taking the actions that that they're taking. And recognizing that there, there is a spectrum of what's good and what's bad, but that not all characters fall into kind of a black-white dichotomy of, of good and evil. My next highlight and the final highlight before we move on to our last bucket here is the siege of the north part one the reason that we put the siege of the north part one in highlights instead of in complete total essentials is because everything that this is setting up it gets resolved in the second half i want to talk about um the big episodes magellan Let's do it. Let's dig into these meaty episodes. These are the essentials, folks. If you only have the time, if you have the time to watch all of seasons two and three of Avatar, but 
for some reason you only have the time to watch six episodes of season one, these are the six you gotta watch. Let's kick it off with season one, episode 18, The Waterbending Master. (laughs) Do not edit around that. I like that people know that I hesitate. The Waterbending Master, it's the one where they go to the Northern Water Tribe and they run into Paku. And he's a terrible man. He doesn't want girls to waterbend, but he wants to teach Aang to waterbend. Turns out, our boy Paku, nice as he is, not nice as he is, was actually engaged to be married to Sokka and Katara's grandmother, Grand Grand. But she left the Northern Water Tribe, went all the way across the world, and became a grandmother. It's a great episode. It's and Like I said, it's the beginning of the one of my favorite settings of the show, which is the Northern Water Tribe. I think that place is beautiful. It's like Ice Venice. And uh, the reveal of Paku's, like, relationship to them is really cool. Whereas Bato of the Water Tribe is supposed to be like, oh, man, our dad knew somebody. This is like, no, no, this guy is almost related to us. Mm -hmm. And he's on the opposite side of the world. And that's wild. And then that becomes, like, the crux of why in the end of the second, in the end of the season, the leader of the Water Tribe is like, hey, we should probably talk to the Southern Water Tribe. Like, we literally have relatives coming over now. This is... A thing. This is a capital T thing. It's the best guitar development we've seen so far. Guitar gets to kick a lot of ass. She kicks a lot of butt. She does so much butt kicking with the discs and the ice fighting. It's awesome. It's yeah. an awesome episode. I loved it. Yeah. Really, really fun. Um, my first essential is in the same family of episodes that we've just been talking about. And it is... The finale of the season, Winter Solstice Part 2. Now, this is where we see the resolution of things that are set up partially in the Waterbending Master, partially in Siege of the North Part 1, around Zhao trying to carry out his plan to murder the moon. (laughs) Really fantastic stakes. And that's literally what he's doing, right? We didn't necessarily take as much time as we could have to pause and state that, but... This man is trying to murder the moon. And that is the show that we're watching. That's you know, the first season of the show. So who knows how much grander it can get than that. I do. Yes, you. that's true. You do. <laughs> Sorry. You do. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, my next essential episode, you got to have it in here. It's episode one of the whole show. It's the boy in the iceberg. We're introduced to a young boy named Sokka. <laughs> then we're introduced to his sister. Her name's Katara. Then they find some ice. They crack open the ice. There's a boy inside. Turns out that boy is going to save the gosh darn world. But also, there's another boy who sees that ice. A flare goes off. And uh-oh, I'm going to kill that boy. It's like very simple and very efficiently told and it sets us up to have amazing, huge adventures with like a lot of humor and a lot of heart in, in this in these short in these short little chunks. And I mm-hmm. love it for that. Just enough mystery to get the mind rolling. Right. Why is he in this iceberg? What's going on there? What's his whole deal? Even like what is the nature of bending is the question that like I didn't have when I was a kid watching this because I guess when you're a kid, it's easier to accept that like I don't know people can make magic happen with elements. But mm. when I watched it now, it's like, no, 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 no. They don't get to just say that. I need to be told where bending comes from at some point. Or, like, why? Like, what does that change about the world and how the politics of a world work where people right. can manipulate yeah. the elements physically? 
and they do get into that stuff eventually but it like takes a long time and this this episode like opens up a universe which um is important and good and i love it yeah um, Magellan, what's your next essential bucket I, episode my next essential is another part two which i suppose that's cheating but so what it's our show um, it's <laughs> the winter solstice part two avatar Roku. So Aang has just saved this town from Hei the cute, adorable spirit panda bear who is mad about the trees. And now it's time to go to a temple in the fire nation to go meet, hang out with avatar Roku, the avatar who preceded Aang. And that alone would propel this episode to essential status. The fact that we're meeting such a major character in the plot of the show. But on top of that, this episode is also really great at weaving together moments of levity with some pretty significant tension without feeling overwhelming. Um, given that Aang is literally only steps ahead of Zuko and of Zhao and in moments, he's he's not ahead of them at all. Like, he, he does get captured briefly. Everybody converges. That ends in a spectacular, the phrase we were using was biblical reckoning, <laughs> uh, where Roku shows just how powerful an avatar can become. And also sets these really important show-long stakes of you have to become a master of all four elements by summer's end. And you have to worry about Sozin's comet. Dun, 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 dun. Let's not forget this episode also continuing this like recurring theme of, Hey, not all the fire nation is the same bad unifying force. Like there are rebels within the sages of the fire nation uh, right. that try to help Aang. And that is cool to know that he has friends in high places. And that, that and Aang's spirit guide is an avatar who was a native of the fire nation. Right. The, the bad guys weren't always the bad guys. That's just the way that that history played out. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see more backstory about Roku and what his relation to the beginnings of this war were Um, like what his, what role did he play? Uh, I'm assuming that we'll delve into that more because it's, it's an unanswered question. But this episode sets that up and also manages to be a pretty fun episode along the way. I can't wait until we talk about the episode where Zuko, go, where Zuko, where Roku goes to college, and it's like him deciding which electives to take mm-hmm. that he can take with his crush. He has like a, a braided beard. Yeah, um, and it doesn't grow well for a while, and he's like, "No, I'm it's it's filling in, it's filling in," and it never his beard never fills in. My final highlight, dear sweet wonderful listener is book one episode 12 the storm the storm is the exposition episode and in that way it has to be essential whether or not you think it's a good episode i think it's okay but the things that we learn in it are essential and powerful and tragic and 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 connect zuko and ang in ways that we never thought were possible uh, up until this point it's like Again and again, I'll say it. This show's relationship to its past is so important to understanding the characters and their motivations. And so we learned this episode, like, just to say it. Uh, Aang fled the Air Temple because he didn't want to deal with the pressures of being the Avatar and didn't feel ready for that. 
and Zuko is chasing Aang because after messing up a meeting with the Fire Lords, the Fire Lord Generals, uh, his father challenged him to an Agni Kai, and he said, you're banished until you can regain your honor. And so they we get their imp- the impeta- impetuses for both of their journeys in this moment, and it's it's a big one. <laughs> you know, we, we needed to know why they were there, and this, question, this episode answered it. Um, I personally really love this episode. I'm a sucker for Zuko stuff, too, so it was great to see kind of where he started. Before he goes on to marry Katara. Right. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> okay. Final episode mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. I think this is my favorite episode of the season, honestly. <gasps> yeah, I'm saying it. This is episode 16, The Deserter. Aang and his friends venture into the Fire Nation territory during a festival in the hopes of finding a firebending master who can teach Aang the art of firebending. They end up meeting Zhang Zhang the deserter, who is a crotchety old man who has very specific opinions about how Aang should be learning firebending, what Aang he's... What order he should be learning the different um disciplines of bending and he also has a very particular outlook on philosophically what fire bending does to a person or what it means to be a firebender what it means to be somebody who is essentially the intermediary between the world and this purely destructive force and um i just I think this episode's exploration of the different kinds of bending and and what they mean at that intellectual level, that philosophical level, coupled with this parable about Aang going too far with his training and ending up, or going too far with his recklessness and end up hurting Katara. I think those two things together make this episode such a thematically rich episode of Avatar The Last Airbender almost completely out of nowhere. Like I didn't necessarily expect this episode to happen. We had just watched the fortune teller. We just watched Bato the water tribe. Like I was ready for kind of a, a lull before we got into the end game of this season. And then this episode showed up and, um, it unlocked for me, a lot of the, the kind of literary meaning of being a bender of, of this stripe or that stripe this is like one of the first episodes where ang gets a teacher and it's like oh this is all he needed he just needed a teacher like if if his goal is you must master the four elements and you manage to find the one firebending person who doesn't hate us then we should be all set that's one down and what actually ends up happening at the end of this episode is ang burns katara decides he's never gonna firebend again and katara gains water healing abilities so Aang, like, in uh, sort of, like, learning mental sense, learns a lot, but unlearns an actual skill while Katara learns one of the greatest skills she'll ever come to possess, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just a nice little, like, inversion of the usual protagonist gets the new power every time he meets a new teacher kind of, mm. like, true. trope. That's true. You know? He, yeah. It's um, it's a strong one. And, and you said all the good things. And I can't wait until we get more Fire Nation culture to, to further explore these themes. Yeah, uh, in the future. Well, Alan, those are the episodes one by one. Um, I think let's start to close it out here and think about looking ahead at book two 
Earth. What do we think is going to happen there? What's going on? What's up with that? Um, I have watched this show twice. All the way through when it aired, and then all the way through in, like I said, like 2012, 2013, one of those summers. So I know what's going to happen. And I think season two is my favorite season of this show. And Ooh. I, I know that we're going to, it's it's book two Earth. So we're going to get a lot of Earth bending, a lot of Earth bending. We're going to get new characters like Zuko's sister and the gang is going to expand because I think Appa like eats a big fish at some point and then grows t- double in size. Mm. So the, ga- the group is going to expand for sure. And we're going to get more Zuko and new like outfits. It's This show does the thing in its uh, subsequent seasons where like it's a new show. The theme song is the same because it's not anime. Sad face. They don't change the theme song. <laughs> they should though. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But like everyone's the same character, but they have different outfits. I love nice. that for some reason. Yes. Yes. It's so cool. Well, really, they have to. Yeah. I love that too. Yeah, they, it's ugh, okay. Yeah, so uh, I want to actually ask you seriously though, what do you think is going to happen? Just get some, throw some ideas out there. Yeah, so um, I do think the the fish thing, Appa eating a big fish, sounds very plausible to me. Do not want to see that scene so much because I envision a slurping mechanism at play. Well, the problem is the bones get caught in his teeth. <gasps> I I ate the bones. Oh, you ate the bones. <laughs> Appa looks to the screen and says, I eat the bones. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. I think we're going to get some kind mm-hmm. of droopy dog cutaways to Zhao in the, trapped in the spirit world. Every couple <laughs> Just of Just eternal like, hell. Oh, man. This is really lame. It's a living. As like hell fire is like raining upon him. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Zuko and Katara are going to share that magical kiss. Um, to sort of get that ball rolling. And then I think, I think we're going to get like a new, here's what I think is going to happen. We're going to get new characters added to the main group, but like, uh Oh, this show's gotten popular. So second season, there are all these celebrity cameos and we got to do them because these people have like projects coming up, but they can only do one episode. So their person has to get killed off every time. So like uh, the Brett Galman cameo is weird. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet that yeah. one's just a little bit, a little bit odd. It's too much of an A-list when, when, get, I think. When did this show come out, or when was it coming out again? Two thousand and five, two thousand six. Five and six. Okay. So who is big in five and six? Like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, all, Lord all of, the, of the, Rings. the Lords of the Rings yeah. come into this show. Yeah, Vigo Mortensen plays uh, Ang's crusty uncle. And that's actually a pretty fun arc, I betcha. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what's like the biggest movie in 2005 that's not Lord of the Rings. Um, Batman Begins. So Christian Bale actually plays Zhao's like cousin, Meow, who's like Catman. <laughs> cat, and he cat-themed fire. Yeah, it's a cat-themed man. earthbender, which is weird. Um, and then they do a whole Brokeback Mountain thing. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's like, wow, this yeah. is a very progressive Avatar. All right. Yeah, and then they do like a crossover episode with the show Chuck, which I think yeah. is a few years too soon. <laughs> That's really <laughs> the just... most impressive thing about it. Serious predictions. I think we really will have another member of the crew. I think it'll probably be a female person, female identified person, because that's sort of what we're missing right now. Um, 
I think we're gonna. I think Zuko's sister is gonna develop into a seasoned villain that's like pretty scary, and Zuko's gonna start shifting towards being a nicer, a nicer boy. I hope that we learn a little bit more about like the geography of the world. Like, I want to see some more maps, like cutaways <laughs> to maps. That's that's a big hope that I have. I want the scenes where it's a map and then there's the red dot that like travels across it. Yeah. And that's I their... do I do want that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um oh god, I'm looking at I'm scrolling through season two right now. I'm very excited. There's like oh it's just hits hits after hits. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, let's get our audience excited by reading them what two episodes we're watching for next week. Yes, let's oh wait, that's my job. Next week on Avatar, The Last Chatsbender, we are watching book two, episode one, The Avatar State. Aang and the group meet an Earth Kingdom general who wants to use Aang's powerful Avatar State as a weapon to defeat the Fire Nation. Uh, hmm. This episode is hot. I forgot until I read General Who Wants to Use the Avatar State. It's it's like pretty intense. This show like rec- turns up the intensity slider pretty quick. And then it turns it right back down with episode two, The Cave of Two Lovers, <laughs> um, on their way to Omashu, <gasps> on their way to Omashu, the kids meet a group of nomads who show them a shortcut through the, quote, cave of two lovers. Uh-oh. But when the kids become lost in the caves, they have to trust in love in order to overcome the curse mm. and get out of the tunnels. <laughs> no, thank you. Um. This episode has one of the most famous, like, single moments of Avatar. So, I'll just let you know that. There's, like, a thing. Okay. Uh, Great. In that one. Great. So, that's going to do it for book one. Let's put a, put, put a close on that book. Put the seal on it. Get one of those, like, journals where you put a little string around the, the binding to close it. And um, we're going to look ahead. So, uh, if you can, if you want to find us online, you can always email us over at chatspod at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at chatspod, spelled the same way. We always love getting tweets. And if you are interested in discussing spoilers, please feel free to DM us over there um, because I can read those. Uh, if you even want to talk about like Cora or whatever, it's all there. Uh, don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like the show. And uh, let people know over there, right? At least give us some stars. We love stars. The the TV network that they give us Twin Peaks. It's great. No, that's Showtime. Mm. Oh God, no. But I also like Whoa. stars. Please rate us on iTunes. It's how people figure out that Chats is a good show, which I like to think it is. And uh, you can find me on another podcast. It's called Fireside Friends. Found wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we just did our UQ episode last week. We are already warming up. Um, Two episodes coming up soon. One where me and my co-host Ryan are going to be discussing part two of the video game Persona 5. And then the week after that, we are going to be discussing the anime. If you like Avatar, you probably like this anime. It's called Fooly Cooly. It's six episodes. It's super good. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Watch it. Listen to us talk about it. Love life. Magellan, what do you got for them? You can find me on Twitter at Justafluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. You can also listen to me on another show called Adulthood, which you can find wherever you can download podcasts. Every week on Adulthood, I watch 15 seconds of the Richard Linklater film Boyhood, and then I do a podcast show of some kind. 
I'm not even going to say what I think of adulthood because I say it every week. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> Maybe you should listen to it. Maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> Make your own decisions for once. Be an adult. Grow up. <laughs> got him. Got him. Got, got him in one. Thank you, dear listener, for listening, which is what you do. That's your verb. It's listen. Listening to this episode of Avatar The Last Chatsbender. And one last time, we hope you will join us on an all-new adventure. <laughs>